We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Listen, no one's more frustrated than I am. I can promise you that. We're working hard at figuring it out. We play well, I would say, defensively in the majority of our games this year, and we get into these, excuse me, one-score situations down the end of the game, and we got to find a way to close it out. And there's a lot of things that go into that when you're trying to close a game out, right? So, you know, those are the things that we're studying moving forward. And then offensively, we've got to not be in those one-score games. We've got to pull ahead or play better earlier in the game. Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott. Talking about one-score games there. That really, it really is a big factor for the Bills over the past few seasons is losing the one-score games. I mean, sure, they've won them too. But, man, I mean, Joe brought it up earlier. If, if you win those one-score games, Kansas City isn't always going to be number one in, a, in the AFC because they also do that, but they don't do it nearly as much as the Bills. So... It's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can't really like fix it in like a practice or anything. You can't, you know, say, oh, we're going to draft somebody to stop that from happening. It's just something that the team has to adapt to and has to overcome. And I, I think they can do it, but I just don't know what it's going to take at this point. I mean, with the amount of times we've seen this team fall in one-score games, it's it's getting to the point where it's like, you know, what's next? What's the missing piece of the puzzle? You know, like when you're making a puzzle and you get to the final piece and it's under the couch and you don't know where it is and you can't find it. That's kind of where we're at right now is how do you stop that from happening? So we're going to continue to talk, talk some bills here. Welcome to the Extra Point Show. Sneaky Joe and Sal are off. I'm Josh Schmidt. You're listening to WGR. We go back to the phones here. We got Luke in Rochester. Luke, thanks for hanging on. What do you got for me? Well, I think you get rid of the coach and maybe put Joe Brady in his interim. He's showing excellent game management and an ability to understand his personnel. McDermott wouldn't even be 500 without Allen. Tasker apparently called Allen the best player in the NFL, which I completely agree with. But McDermott doesn't see it. He thinks Josh has to play smarter. He needs a smarter coach. McDermott isn't it. He wasted that time out trying to ice the kicker on a fifty-seven yard, a 59-yarder in like horrible conditions, giving him more time to actually compose. But he didn't, he, and he thought, he said that that would end the game. That was his, that was his tactical approach to try to end the game by calling that timeout and not having it as a second timeout with 20 seconds left. Uh, the, the dude would call a time. Belichick apparently said that on the final play in the Super Bowl with the Seahawks, he could see they were harried, frazzled. He didn't want to call a timeout 
because they might botch it. They did botch it. You know what McDermott would do? I'm certain, although this is subjective, he would call a timeout. The Seahawks would switch to a run play and score. That's the type of coach we have. He's got to go. Brady has in two games showed he could do a better job. At least he's here. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next four or five games. Yeah, thanks for the call, Luke. I I don't know about Brady. I I I, I don't think that would be quite the answer. I I I'm not sure about that. I I do agree with you on the timeout though. The timeout was pretty questionable. Um I mean, 59 yards is one a long way in an indoor stadium with perfect conditions. This is in the rain, in the wind, in the cold at night and you're you have the game on your line. But it's also Jake Elliott. He's a very good kicker for the Eagles. Has been for a while. He's known as around the league as one of the least likely kickers to quote unquote be iced. So I don't really know what the plan was there. I mean, they were even rushing onto the field anyway to begin with. The Eagles were out of timeouts at that point. So that's that's where it starts, and then you go to the kneel down, and that's like the other questionable call. It all happened in about a five-minute span. But, I mean, again, that's not something you can fire a coach on, obviously. That is something where you can you know kind of raise your eyebrow and stick it in the back of your brain for later on and you know file it away and be like, hey, I'm going to remember that. Let's see if that's a recurring thing. And it has happened before. I mean, not that specific scenario, but there has been issues before with, you know, questionable calls and and why did what happened here? Why did that go? Why did that player do this? Why did they call that play? Like running a zero blitz against the Broncos and letting them get down the field. And I mean, obviously the 12 personnel thing, you don't plan to do that. It was an accident. But accidents happen when you, you know, are rushing and it's not, it's not a great look, but again, this, I don't think any of this stuff is going to be, you know, grounds for firing at the end of the season, unless, like I said, if it gets super crazy in these next five weeks, I I, I just can't see that happening. I, I don't think it will. And to be honest, I don't think it should because I think a defensive coordinator would really help the situation here. I think it would help McDermott have less on his plate. I think it would, you know, as long as you get the right guy, because that's the thing, you got to take the offseason to get the right guy, make sure he's going to work in your scheme, not change it up too much, confuse the players. And I mean, obviously, you'd have the off, that's an offseason move, and you'd have the whole offseason to implement potentially a new playbook or at least some new plays and whatnot. But right now, with. What's happened and what's forward, it's personally, I don't think it's the point where you're at the point of, of firing. Let's go back to the phones here. We got Tom in a car. Tom, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Good. What you got for me? Um, look at Despite the bad calls by the coach, bad calls by the ref, bad decisions, whatever you want to call it. This this Bills team still went to Philadelphia, a team that's 9-1, and one, the best team in the NFL, and took them to overtime. 
despite all the all the bad calls and bad decisions, they took this team to overtime. Yes, they should have beat them. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. Bring on Kansas City and let's go. Rest of the year. You're talking my language, Tom. I like that. Thanks for the call. I I like that there because that's that's important to remember is they went in to Philadelphia and they took on the best team in the league and they played great for let's say three and a half quarters of game time. There might be you know like a quarter or so of questionable mistakes and questionable calls and errors and whatever, but they played great. They looked like the Bills. They seemed to have the confidence that we've seen the Bills have in the past. And, you know, it for if it had not been for, you know, 20 seconds and everything like that, then this would have gone down as another great game for the Bills. I think it still should. One costly error should not, you know, hamper everything else that was done in that game. Obviously, you shouldn't ignore it, but... You know, you shouldn't look away from Allen returning to the run game and looking great while doing so. Gabe Davis coming up big when you needed him to at times. Khalil Shakir also showing up. And especially because this is all, you know, on the premise of Stephon Diggs not having a good game. And usually when that happens, the offense stalls and stutters because you don't have anyone else performing. This time, however, you did. And... Like Tom mentioned, you had all those penalties. I didn't even bring up the penalties and, and the officiating. That was, I mean, it was egregious is a word I would like to use for like the first half. And then the second half was just as bad, if not worse. So I, I'm not one that likes to say, you know, they lost the game because of the officials. Sure, there's times where officials make bad calls and it can cost you a game. But that that game even with the bad calls, was great for the Bills. They overcame it. They didn't let it, you know, bring them down or get frustrated or anything like that. They played through it, and they said, you know what? You're going to make bad calls. We're still going to play good. And that's something that you want to see from a team that's at the time, was 6-5 and five fighting for a playoff spot, which they still are fighting for a playoff spot. But that's something you want to see from a team like that. You don't want to see a team, sometimes you'll see them, and a lot of times you'll see them just shell up and not continue. So it's it's good to see the confidence continue. But it's got to really really pick up for the next 5 weeks and and just, you know, stay consistent. Let's go to Steve in Georgia now. Steve, how's it going? Hey man, going well. Um so before I say what I'm going to say about McDermott, I hope the Bills make a run. I hope this team can make it to the Super Bowl and win. Now, I like Tom's attitude, the previous caller, about, hey, Kansas City next week, let's go. I don't feel McDermott feels the same way. I mean, to kneel with 20 seconds and one timeout in the fourth quarter with a superstar quarterback and basically telling your team, I don't think we can do it. How can he, and his coaching style is, buy into my process, buy into what I'm selling you, because when the time comes, never mind, I'm not going to buy into the players and give you a chance to win the game. And I think that's a fatal flaw, and that 
it's fireable. That's a fireable offense in my opinion, but I'm not Terry Padula and a lot of Bill's mafia out there want to keep him because the process worked. It, it changed the culture and it changed the organization. That's great. But the process isn't going to get us over the hump in my opinion. Thanks for the call, Steve. I appreciate that. I, um, I, Man, I, I don't know if he's I, – I think somebody called in a day or two ago about has he lost the room, and I don't think it's to that point yet. I think we'd see it a lot more on the field. I don't think we'd see a team go out there and put up 34 points against the best team in the league. And I know that wasn't exactly your point of, you know, it's it's more does he not trust them. But I don't think it's to that point yet either. I think it was, you know – it, it's hard because I, I go back and forth on, you know, you have Josh Allen, you should go for it with 20 seconds to go. But then at the same time, the safe approach technically is, you know, just going to overtime and, and having trust in, in Josh Allen to win you the game in overtime. But the problem there, there's one little thing, and it's about the size of a quarter, and it's called a coin flip. You put the game on a coin flip. If you have trust in Josh Allen to win you the game in overtime, why don't you have trust in him to win you the game with 20 seconds to go? That's kind of where I end up on that, where, you know, like I said, I don't think he's lost trust in the players. I just think he wanted to try to give them maybe a better scenario, give them more time, but it was a big what if the offense gets the balls first. You know, I mean, it's a 50-50 shot. And sure, if you lose the coin toss, you can say, well, we have trust in our defense to get the ball back. But your defense didn't do that in overtime. They weren't able to. So, again, it comes down to what if and if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, what a Merry Christmas this would be. Let's go to the next phone call. Tommy in Ellicottville. Tommy, what do you got? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um I, you know, I think like a lot of these guys have been having some good points today on McDermott. Um, I like the guy. I root for the guy. He's easy to root for. But my biggest issue is how, how often we play scared when we have a lead. And whether that's, we, you know, he's used his scapegoats on his offensive coordinators or oh, Ken Dorsey. But um, I just think that first and third down, why do we always have to run the ball? And I understand the logic of making the other team use their timeouts, but against these good teams where you know they're going to be able to push the ball down. Now you think about 13 seconds. But just this past game against Philly, I hate that we decide to run the ball on first and third down, up, up to third down, to make them use their timeouts, knowing that we're going to probably not get a first down. I know you're like, oh, we're going to definitely get the first down here or, or we're going to win the game running the ball, and you push that down your team's throat. But you know the other defense who's good and who's been playing pretty good up to that point. I know they gave up so many points, but they were playing better. I don't know why we consistently go we, – we just try to make them waste their timeouts, give them the ball back, and then lean on our defense while, while our defense is always playing back. We're never rushing. And then we blitz, and then we blitz, and then they torture us. Like, I, I just think that the, the ideology of McDermott – playing scared that's what he does he instills fear into his players instead of lifting them up and saying hey we're gonna we're gonna play as aggressive as we have been all game when your quarterback has 420 total yards four touchdowns and you're like ah, i'm just we're just gonna try to make them call their timeouts and then lean on our defense all right i'll hang up thanks thanks tommy yeah i 
I agree with you on the point of I don't know if it's playing scared, I, but I agree with you on the point of leaning on your defense. Let's let's start there. I think that that's almost become too predictable. Teams have seen this Bills team, this pretty much the same Bills team because you have Sean McDermott, you had Leslie Frazier, and you had Brian Dable. You had those three for a few number of years, and they had not well. I, I don't want to say a, they had a system, but they don't. They didn't have like a set. You know, every game went this way because Dable was a master of you know changing things up on your last second, and you, you never knew what you were going to get. That was the biggest threat to that Bill with that Bills offense. On the defensive side, you had a lot of talent. You had, you know, Prime, Poyer, Hyde. You had Matt Milano. You had Tremaine Edmonds. You had you didn't have quite quite yet have, you know, Von Miller and Greg Rousseau. But you had a lot of weapons on, on defense as well. So Frazier could put that all together. And even then, look back to 13 seconds. They leaned on the defense. They became predictable. All game... In the 13 seconds game, in the last game, most of them. The defense plays very aggressive till the very end. And then it's just kind of, you know, let's just let's just get to the whistle. Let's just hang on for dear life and get to the whistle if it's a one-score game. If it's, you know, if it's a blowout, it doesn't really matter. But it's it's kind of predictable. And to your point, you know, you, you they they play off. And then all of a sudden, boom! There's a blitz out of quote unquote out of nowhere. The other team, the other team knows it's coming. If it's third down and five, they know you're going to blitz. If it's second and five, they know you're going to blitz because that's how this offense has looked, or that's how this defense, excuse me, has looked. Is you play off until you absolutely cannot play off of them anymore, and then you try to blitz, and it's oh well, we knew that was coming. Here we go. Look at the Broncos game. So I do think that's what I think the a new defensive coordinator would instill in this team is a, a fresh look. Yes, you'd want to keep the majority of it the same, but you'd want something new, something different. You don't want the players to get stagnant. And you also can't put all that on McDermott as well because he's, he's the head coach of the team as well. He's got other stuff going on. And I'm not trying to give him an excuse or a pass or whatever, but... If you put too much on your plate, if you think you can do it all yourself, and I'm not saying he does or doesn't, but if you do that, if with anything in life, aside from sports, if you just try to, you know, do all this stuff, something's going to falter. Something's not going to look as good as the other thing. You know, like it, you're going to be trying to do too much at once and something's going to get messy. And in this case, it's it was the defense. So at the end of the day, you just kind of need to get a fresh look and be original. And I just don't think they've done that recently. Let's go to Danny in Middlebury. Hey, how's it going today? Uh, thanks for taking my call. I am. Uh, I was just as bad at McDermott as everybody else. Uh, when he came out and he said, well, at least the defense played well. Um, to the point where, like, I, you know, like, where I wanted a player. But I got a, I had some time to reflect. And I really think he's done wonders with this defense this year. Um, if you took Josh Allen, Diggs, and Kincaid or Moss out of your lineup, the Bills aren't going anywhere. And we've had 
in my opinion, Milano, who's been the heart and soul of the defense, Trey White, who's a pro bowler and a Hall of Famer, and Bob Miller on one leg, and we're still, uh, you know, we're still making it happen. And that, I think, is just due to, you know, some defensive genius there. If you look at the analytics on game day, too, while people are saying you shouldn't be calling the, um, calling the plays, our analytics are in, like, top three, top five in the league. So we do often do the next right thing. Uh, the 20 seconds was confusing to everybody. Um, all those penalties hurt. But the reason why this game hurts that much is because we painted ourselves into a corner. The team is phenomenal. We took the Super Bowl champs to overtime. But... We lost against the Jets. We lost winnable games. And that's going to put us on the outside looking in this year. Uh, hopefully, you know, that makes some changes. We get a better middle linebacker in here, whatever it might be. But I remember the drought. I don't know how many people remember 17 years of losing. But getting rid of McBean and uh, Dervin, McBean, reminds me of when Mark Chaproda and Levy left. That equated to a lot of sadness. So I choose to be patient for about a year, see what's going on, and, you know, go from there. Yeah, thanks for the call, Danny. I like that uh, that last point about the patience. It, it kind of brings it back to what the la- what a caller said last hour about, you know, be careful what you wish for. And, you know, I was pretty young growing up through the drought. But, I mean, I grew up through the drought, so I had nothing but a losing football team to base everything off of. I mean, it was not a good time. And I don't want to go back to that, sure. But and I and I don't think this team with this current coaching staff and things like things like that would take the Bills back to a scenario like that. But I also don't want to just sit here and remain complacent. Yes, I like I said before, I don't think they should fire him this year, especially because, you know, nothing has been a quote-unquote fireable offense to this point. But you got to, you know, remember things like this. Remember weeks like this week. Remember games like that game and say, all right, sure, we made the playoffs, but there was a lot of question marks. Let's see how next year's go. next year goes. Or, hey, we missed the playoffs. Man, let's see how next year goes and see if this continues. Is this a trend? Is this where this team is going? And if that's the case, you got to make a decision and you got to potentially make a very hard move. But in that case, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult and there might be a few years of, you know, adjustment and like growing pains like there were at the beginning of Josh Allen's career with sports like this. It's it's, there's always going to be changes and there's always going to be times you have to adapt. Like you brought up the injuries and things like that with the defense. And yes, the defense has really stepped up. You've had guys like Terrell Bernard and Christian Benford and Greg Rousseau really, really step up and become key parts of this defense. You had Rasul Douglas come in here and immediately be an impact player. He had two interceptions in one game. And I think, what it, what was it, his second or third game? So there's definitely bright spots. And there's definitely moments where you can say, yeah, that defense looks great because of who's coaching them. But 
obviously the bad stuff's going to outweigh the good stuff. And the bad stuff being losing to the Patriots, losing to the Jets, losing to the Broncos. At the beginning of the year, if I was looking at this schedule and I saw the Bills were at 6-6, six and six, I would tell you the losses came, which some of them did, the losses came. I would tell you the losses came to the Jaguars, the Bengals, the Eagles. And then I would ask you what happened in the other three games. Why did they lose three three games to the combined Jets, Patriots, and Broncos? Like, what happened there? Because at the beginning of the year, you know, you expected the Jaguars, Bengals, and Eagles to be difficult opponents. But the Jets, Patriots, and Broncos? I mean, come on. Those games are your must-wins. You're going to steal a win here and there from other teams. But when you play a team that's 2-9, and nine, like the Patriots are, or a team that's never found a quarterback since Mark Sanchez, and even then it was you know Mark Sanchez, when you lose to a team like that, there's a lot of questions. And it's not a fun place to be. But at the end of the day, you have to you know learn from that and win the games you can now because those games are in the past. So the five games that are ahead of you, Sure, they're tough tests, but you've beaten the Chiefs. You've embarrassed the Cowboys on national TV on Thanksgiving. It's it's a tough road, but the road is there. So, got to start walking. Going to take another quick time out here. I think we're going to switch to some Sabres stuff. We had some Sabres news coming from Sabres general manager Kevin Adams um, in the past hour or so. Interesting uh, good news on Jack Quinn and Tage Thompson. So we'll uh, we'll see what that is, and we'll be back. You're listening to The Extra Point Show on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.